Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fallis. My guest today is Dr. Juan Guardia. Dr. Guardia is a scholar practitioner and has been in the field of student affairs for over 19 years in various administrative roles. Juan is originally from Miami, Florida, and is a first-generation college student who earned his PhD in educational leadership and higher education administration from Iowa State University. He's currently the Assistant Vice President for Student Affairs and Dean of Students at the University of Cincinnati. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Guardia. Hi, how are you? Good. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, how long have you lived in Ohio? And I'm sure it must be hard being here coming from, from Florida. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, buenas uh, tardes. My name is Dr. Juan Guardia. Um, I have been in Ohio. I moved here in 2016. So I'm starting my fourth academic year here at the University of Cincinnati. Um, a little background about myself, I grew up in Homestead, Florida, which is about 25 minutes south of Miami. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I am a first-generation college student, like you mentioned. Um, my parents, my family, somos cubano. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was my, my, my parents, myself, and my younger brother. Um, my father uh, graduated high school in Cuba. My mother got as far as um, high school in Cuba until uh, they moved to the United States. Um, in the midst of the Castro regime. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we, my brother and I were born and raised in Miami Beach, uh, mm -hmm. grew up in South Florida. Um, but one of the things that um, my parents always wanted to stress to my brother and I was the importance of education. Mm -hmm. um, my father, until his retirement less than a month ago, worked at a factoria in, in Hialeah, Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother was a homemaker, and um, the additional side job that she would do would to be uh, to clean other folks' homes. And mm -hmm. so, estaba limpiando casa mm -hmm. um, all over Homestead or Miami-Dade County. Mm -hmm. um, and in many instances, she took me along. So, mm -hmm. I, at a very early age, I got a, had a really strong work, eth work ethic from my mother mm -hmm. um, and saw the amount of work that my parents had to really do. Um, and so, again, education was um, strongly enforced and stressed in our household. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm really thankful for the opportunities they were able to give my brother and I um, in, in the midst of our being raised in South Florida and so forth. Right. Uh, you, Juan, like me, have a from community college to PhD story. Tell me about this journey, What um, maybe what obstacles uh, you encountered uh, and who were maybe your academic padrinos, tios, or mentors along the way? Sure, Absolutely. Uh, so I attended public schools in uh, Miami-Dade County. Um, when I graduated from high school, I didn't have the most stellar GPA. Um, again, my parents were only able to assist me so much in my um, academic K-12 career. And so when it came down to applying to colleges and universities like my peers were, um, a lot of them were ahead of the game by, you know, end of junior year, beginning of senior year. Mm -hmm. um, and when I met with my uh, college admissions counselor at my high school, um, she stressed to me, you know, what was I looking at, and she really recommended, um, you know, based on my GPA at the time, that I would consider looking at Miami-Dade Community College, as it was called back then. Mm -hmm. um, 
in hindsight, Miami-Dade was probably the best decision I could have made um, for a variety of factors. Um, one, it allowed me, to, um, economically, it was um, a great deal in order for me to earn my AA degree before I would transfer over. Mm -hmm. um, it also allowed me to stay in South Florida. So I graduated in June 92 in, uh, from high school, and in August 24th, 92, um, we experienced Hurricane Andrew, uh, mm -hmm. Category 4 storm. Mm -hmm. um, it directly impacted our community that I grew up in in Homestead, Florida, so we lost a majority of everything. Mm -hmm. um, so it not only allowed me to go to college, uh, the college, my campus of the college, at that time there were five campuses for the college. My campus was completely wrecked, um, but they were able to erect it within a month from the time the hurricane hit. Um, and we had classes that fall, um, albeit we were in portable units and mobile units. Mm -hmm. um, but we were able to take classes in Fall 92, and it allowed me to not only be in college, uh, but also stay at home and help my family rebuild our home. Mm -hmm. And so it was a really great opportunity for me to not only stay at home and earn my AA degree, but assist my family as well. Um, I then transferred and then went to Florida State University. Um, at that time, it was the only uh, college in the state. I knew I was going to stay in state. Um, that had my major, and at that time it was called uh, Communication Media Performance. Mm -hmm. And so I transferred to Florida State, um, had a really great undergraduate experience. I definitely benefited from going away from home. Um, Miami to Tallahassee is about a seven-and-a-half-hour, eight-hour drive. Um, so it was a really good distance uh, being away and, and, and having that first-time away experience um, and being independent of my family. I then uh, finished my undergrad and then moved back to South Florida, um, I ended up being a middle school teacher, at, mm. uh, funny enough, at the same middle school that I went to because um, <laughs> English was my minor. And so I ended up being a middle school teacher. And in that experience, I quickly realized that I wanted to work with students, um, just not at the middle school level. Mm -hmm. um, and one of my madrinas, as I would call her, it was uh, uh, Maricela Vega. She was my English professor at Miami-Dade. Um, and I continuously communicated with her, um, not only during my tenure at Miami Day, but then when I transferred to FSU and, and actually when I moved back. Um, she was Kuwana, and mm -hmm. so uh, she was very uh, real, um, and I still am staying in contact with her. And as I was talking to her about some ideas of what to do uh, post this uh, teaching middle school, um, in very blunt terms, she said, Oye, Chico, you did, um, you were super involved in organizations when you were as an undergrad here at Miami-Dade and at Florida State. Um, I definitely see you um, going into student affairs. I think that's your knack. Um, and I didn't at that time know that you can uh, work in student affairs. I didn't know what the trajectory for that was. Um, and she really pointed me out and helped me do some research, and I found out uh, that my alma mater, Florida State, um, had the longest um, historical program in higher ed within the state of Florida and, and across the country. Uh, so I transferred and I uh, went back to Florida State and earned my master's degree in higher education student affairs. Um, and it was definitely, it's been my passion for the last 20 years. It was, she knew what, um, where I should be, um, and it really was because of her experience. Um, others, I would say, with regards to um, colleagues and mentors, um, was uh, Dr. John Hernandez. He's president of Santiago Canyon College. He is, uh, was when I first met him back in 2002, the first Guano administrator in higher mm -hmm. education student affairs, um, and took me under his wing um, and is one of my mentors and continues to be one of my mentors. Um, and then later, um, after working at George Mason University in Northern Virginia for a few years, I was recruited uh, to uh, earn my terminal degree, uh, my doctoral degree at Iowa State University. 
Um, and being a Cubano from Miami, the first thing that came to my mind was it's <laughs> a landlocked state. Um, it's going to be a lot of winter, un invierno frío. My parents, my mother was like, I don't even know where Iowa's at. I had to literally pull out a map and point in the middle of the country and just put my finger down. And I said, this is where Iowa's at. Um, so that was a, a, it was a pretty good laugh. Um, but it was a, um, a really defi- defining experience for me. Uh, I was the only Latino in my cohort in the doctoral program at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, Iowa, was, Iowa State was just a really great experience. I had phenomenal faculty. Um, the campus is beautiful. It was exactly what I needed. I, I, I had the privilege to go back um, as a full-time doctoral student with um, an assistantship um, and all other aspects covered, health insurance, uh, medical, dental, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really took me moving to the middle of the country to get a really defining, great experience for my doctoral program that I was able to knock it out in three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a qualitative dissertation. Um, my dissertation advisor uh, was a little skeptical at first if I could knock it out in three years, but I definitely went more than full-time a few semesters um, and was able to knock it out in that time. And so uh, Dr. Nancy Evans, uh, my doctoral advisor, who was also my graduate assistant supervisor, was definitely one of the madrinas mm-hmm. um, who was able to push me through in my program. Definitely understood that as a Cuban-American first-gen student, um, I was definitely placed in a, in a different setting that was very strange to me when I first got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, became familiar and home for me during my tenure there. Um, so it was really a, a pretty interesting trajectory. Um, had you spoken to the young uh, 22, 23-year-old <laughs> undergraduate um, that I would have lived in five different states over 20 years, um, I probably would have laughed at you. Um, <laughs> but in hindsight, it, it was, it's been a great defining experience, um, specifically when it comes to my passion and calling of advocating for and working with college students. Right. Um, Juan, you are part of NASPA, a student affairs professional organization. Yeah. Can, can you tell us about the Latinx, Latina, and Latino knowledge community within this organization? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Latino, Latina, um, well, actually, they just renamed it to the Latinx, Latina, Latino knowledge community, mm-hmm. um, was established in 2002 um, during the Boston Convention. And it really was, we were trying to find um, a home away from home for the folks who identified as Latino and Latina, Latinx at NASPA. Um, I happened to be at that meeting in 2002, um, and it was an opportunity for um, us as a comunidad to come together and say, hey, uh, we're, we're various members of the Latino-Latina community, and this will give us an opportunity and amplify our voices within um, our national association with regards to Student Affairs Administration. Um, so in its current state, it's been around now, um, we're celebrating our 17th year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the KC, as we affectionately call it, the LKC, is a place where not only uh, do we share research, uh, some shared knowledge? We advocate for the comunidad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an opportunity to network and connect with other student affairs colleagues from not only our locally, regionally, nationally, and sometimes even internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a really great opportunity to share some of our best practices, uh, give us the opportunity to volunteer for our national association and other national associations, um, and ultimately is an, an opportunity for us to do some um, policy change and influencing some of the political structure within the association. Uh, I've been a member since the exception, and it's really an opportunity when I get to the NASPA annual meeting to not only come together with uh, my colegas from across the country, but Mm -hmm. it it, it feels like it is that home away from home. We can sit there. We can speak in our native tongue. 
um, and just engage in, and support one another. Right. Juan, you have, you mentioned uh, that you've had some madrinas or padrinos, mentors that are Latino, not all of them, but you mentioned, you know, a couple that, that are. And, and I, want, I want to ask what your approach is to helping first-generation college students, specifically uh, Latino, Latina, Latinx students. Um, how do you help them develop their sense of belonging in a place like Cincinnati, for example? Um, and you've moved around, you know, different states uh, from more, you know, from a place where there's a lot of Latinos, like a place of Florida, mm-hmm. to maybe less so in Virginia, and then in Iowa, and and I don't know what other states you've lived, but um, <laughs> you know, thinking about that, um, all of the, those experiences and those communities that you've been a part of, what what do you see is the most effective way to to work with this population, the student population? Sure. Um, so through the, my varied experiences, I think the first and foremost that I like to do when I get to a campus. Um, is obviously I'm representing and advocating for all of my students. When I do have uh, the privilege and honor of getting to work with Latinx, Latino, Latina students, um, first and foremost is just letting them know who I am, the type of resources and programs um, that fall under my purview that will support them. Um, but also, let, you know, I'm, I'm very honest and authentic in my conversations with them and say, hey, you know, um, like many of you, I am a first-generation college student. Mm-hmm. I am more than happy to share my experience. This is some of the trials and tribulations I have had in the past, um, and so whatever I can do to assist you in those endeavors, um, so you may not have to go through some of those, um, I'm here to assist you in that. And so for a lot of my students, um, I'm thinking back to, for example, when I was at uh, George Mason, um, I worked in specifically my role there was as an assistant director for the Hispanic Latino Student Affairs. Mm-hmm. My tenure there, we created what was then and is still around the Hispanic Student Association, um, later on, when I was at Florida State University, I advised the Hispanic Latino Student Union, and now this year here at the University of Cincinnati, I'm advising Latinos in Acción, mm-hmm. um, probably our largest Latinx, Latino, Latina student organization. Um, it's really, again, an opportunity for me to connect and say, what are some of the resources that you need that I can assist you with? Um, sometimes it's been speaking with their families. Sometimes it's inviting their families to come to campus if they're, if they're local to not only get to know me, but also get to know some of the programs and services that the university has in assisting their um, children and students here at the university. Here at UC, um, the Latinx student population is under 3% out of 46,000 students. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not very big. And so, um, for example, last week when I went to the first General Assembly meeting for uh, Latinos in Acción, the room was packed. And it's mm. great to walk into that space, right. see that many Latinx-identified students that are, uh, again, knowing that they are bettering themselves, doing what they can, but also following their passion, um, and letting them know, like, as, as I introduced myself to them, said, hey, I'm a resource. This is, um, I have an open-door philosophy. This is where you can locate me. This is my uh, direct number that you can contact me, or here's my email. Um, because I was them at one point, and mm-hmm. so I would do everything I can to assist them. And so um, for a lot of the times it's been, well, you know, Dr. Guardia, may I speak to you in, you know, contigo en español? And I'm like, bueno, claro. claro. Um, mm-hmm. And for a lot of them, I can see, like, uh, the weight lifted off their shoulders mm-hmm. because they, they find a way to um, relate to me 
um, and understand that I'm a member of the comunidad that can engage and do what I can to assist them. Right, right. Um, what kind of, how many different organizations that are uh, for Latina, Latinx, Latino students um, are there in, at, at UC? Um, not many, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So um, Latinx, Latino, Latina en Acción um, is probably our largest. Um, we do have a Spanish club organization that's affiliated with the Spanish department. Um, I know we have a Latino Latina Law Student Association mm -hmm. affiliated with the law school, and I believe there's one at the medical school as well. Um, but for undergraduates, there really isn't that many. Um, and the reality is when I've seen or any, for example, as we're going to Hispanic Heritage Month programming mm -hmm. or Latino Heritage Month, depending on how what campuses call it, um, here I will see a majority of my same students at all those programs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them I'll see them involved in other student organizations, um, which is great because one of the things I do um, advocate my students to do is um, it's wonderful and prideful to be a member of, an, of a Latinx organization on campus. But um, the important aspect is that um, your Latinidad goes above and beyond not just our community, but it should be in other student organizations as well. Mm -hmm. So folks see that we are not just bounded by our ethnicity, uh, that we can be members of larger organizations. So I know we have some of my members are in Student Government Association. Some That's of them great. are involved in some of the fraternities and sororities on campus and so forth. And so they definitely spread their wings in, with regards to their involvement. Um, but not that many specifically Latinx, Latino, Latina based on our campus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Dr. Guardia, is there anything else you would like to say about your work, uh, maybe future projects or anything exciting happening in Cincinnati? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So um, one of the things I would say is, um, as again, as I mentioned, as you mentioned earlier, I'm definitely a scholar practitioner, so one of the mm -hmm. things I like to definitely do is um, even though I'm a full-time administrator, I definitely continue to like to do research and so forth. Um, a lot of my research in the past has focused on um, Latinx, Latino, Latina identity, um, ethnic identity development, um, specifically at Hispanic serving institutions, and also on the history of Latino, Latina fraternities and sororities. Mm -hmm. um, so I do a lot of that research, and so slowly but surely, I'll, I'll continuously come out with um, some additional articles and so forth based on those topics of the community. Um, here at Cincinnati, one of the things that we're really prideful about is we have our annual Ohio Latino Student Summit. Mm -hmm. um, that's forthcoming in October. It's actually um, open and free for students, not just at UC, um, but from other colleges and universities within the region. So we definitely invite um, our Latinx, Latino, Latina identified students from any of the colleges and universities within the tri-state area that if they're interested, they can get more information on our website. Um, it's affiliated with our Office of Ethnic Programs and Services. So if the folks are interested in registering, um, it's a full-day event. Um, we'd love to see you folks come on campus. Um, it's a lot of knowledge sharing and resource sharing and getting to know some of the, um, their peers across the state and within the tri-state area. So it's a great networking opportunity as well. Great, great. Juan, thank you for this conversation. Thank you. I appreciate it. Gracias. Gracias. A todos, gracias por escucharnos. Y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. 